This episode is recorded on Jar Jar Wurrung country and we want to pay our respects to the original creatives of this land and their elders past, present and future. Welcome to another episode of Country Creatives. I am your co-host, Caleb Maxwell, with... I'm also a co-host, Reese Hendy. You are. There's two of us. Yeah, certainly <laughs> is. Hey, um, we're talking about presentations and how to communicate ideas through documents to your client. Oh, yeah. So this is a really jam-packed episode. We're going to dive into utilizing these tools and how to actually do it, how to structure them. Reese and I have completely different structures, but they pretty much achieve the same thing, right? Yeah, we're trying to get work. We're trying to give our clients a return brief and collect all of the information that everyone needs to know in order to proceed with the job where we're all on the same page. Yeah, a couple of problems that it solves is misaligned expectations. I Mm -hmm. bet you've been in a situation before where you think you're going to do something and then you you do it and the client's, oh, that's not what I thought you were going to do. Yeah, (laughs) and can you just add... Can you just add this and, and yeah. add that? And, yeah, and yeah. That's called scope creep. Yes, it is. And that the reason you're in that situation is because it wasn't communicated at the start. The other problem this solves is a lack of confidence and trust and understanding from the client's perspective. So we're using these presentations a lot of time before we've got the work. Mine's definitely before I've got the work. It's when I'm proposing what I'm going to do to the client before they've said, yeah, do it. They are often looking at lots of different options and what this does is it's an opportunity to set our work apart from anyone else who's might be pitching for it but it's a trust building exercise so these are the first documents we'll come up come up with after we have a discovery meeting or some kind of phone call or a site visit for me this usually is the result of a site visit this presentation we're going to run through and it's how i show the client i know what you want, I've listened to you. And that's crazy because literally all this is me being a parrot and returning everything (laughs) I've heard from them. I pretty much reword it in as simple words as I can and I send it back to them. And it sounds like cheating because you're not coming up with stuff. You're just saying, this is what I heard. This is what I understand. Are we on the same page? Would you like to proceed? Should we tweak anything before we get going? Yeah, it's awesome. So this is a pretty visual episode. We've got examples of the Nacho Station brief and we've got a example of a Hebron Films proposal. So it's crucial that you head on over to Instagram right now. The episode tile for this episode has a carousel post and we're going to start with Reese's nacho station brief so flick through as we walk through these two documents and you'll be able to see the examples there yeah cool i've created a template in keynote most designers will hate having to use anything like this and want to use like (laughs) indesign or something crazy but this makes it so easy i've set up a template quite a long time ago and when i use the master pages i drag and drop in i've got this is all pre-built yeah with prompts So every time I'm going to do a new job, I drag and drop from the master's page. The prompts are there. The layout's there. All I do is answer the questions. And it's super simple. Amazing. I basically try and distill 
a big hour-long meeting into the fewest words I possibly can. So before you've produced this, you've had a meeting with the client and finding out what they want. Yes, yeah, this is usually a site visit or an on-screen kind of chat to figure out what they're looking for. The first page on there is objectives. Yep. So it's a big heading and there's three or four dot points. That's all I that's all I do. And for this example, we're talking about a mural in a courtyard and just keeping it super simple. We want to create a welcoming and calming environment or we aim to make the space feel inviting and increase usage. A little bit about the deadline. They want it for a launch of a space. The objectives are usually pretty straightforward in, in these kind of projects. The purpose of this is to let the client know that you've understood what is most important to them. And so it's important to make sure that you ask what is most important to them so you get this information. Yeah, and it's literally a question of like, why are we doing this? What are you hoping to achieve? And yep. that's how you write the objectives. Yeah. I do move on to, to outlining a bit about the scope of the project for mural projects or community art projects. There's surface preparation, design development, identifying an artist, what kind of approval process, am I doing project management or not? For more complex projects, there might be a column for what Nacho Station will do, there might be a column for what the artist will do, and then there might also be a column for what the client will contribute. Yep. Yeah, but this is pretty straightforward. Are these, under the scope here, these headings, are they template prompts and you ditch the ones you don't need and put detail in the ones you do? Yeah, that's exactly right. When I drag the page scope into my Prezo, it's got five or six made headlines and I pick and choose which ones are relevant for the project. Love it. What's next? This one, I hadn't done an opportunities page until this one, actually, but okay. I realised in this project there was some stuff that was outside of scope, above and beyond what we discussed on site. So okay. there were opportunities and, um, you know, like video, this would be a great project to record a video for the client to promote what they're doing. So I've put that in as an outside of scope activity that I can help organise if they would like to go down that route. It is an upsell page. Oh, yeah. Without sounding like a salesperson yeah which is i love it because it's clearly defining what would be good and valuable to the client but you haven't included it so it's really a little teaser thing i love this giving them some options where they go oh ooh, that could be good maybe we'll add that in yeah that's exactly right the other really important thing that i do is just include a picture of the location and why do you do that just to make sure we're on the same page, you know, the people that I'm showing this to might have to take it to someone else to get it approved mm. or to get their finances sorted out to create a purchase order, whatever it might be, have their manager approve it. And it's just a great way to say, yep, we're all looking at the same space here. Yes. I've gone really anti-design and just used the templated, like a paint splotch icon to help <laughs> identify certain spaces in this drawing. The main purpose is to communicate where you're going to put the thing so it doesn't need to be fancy and look good. It needs to communicate the information. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And it's also a great way to show you put a, put a picture of this space in. It really does need something, doesn't it? It like, does. <laughs> that's right. That's what I thought when I looked at it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's a blank canvas. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it comes back to, again, we haven't done the work yet. So it's not like I'm putting a picture of the location in with a mock-up of this is what it could look like. And you could do that with maybe like an existing artwork or something that's like really low investment, but you don't mm -hmm. want to spend five hours working on a concept for this stage. You haven't no even way. signed the job yet. That is an excellent point. Too many creatives work for free. 
And that's exactly what you're doing if you are pitching a full-blown concept before you've got the job. That is going to take you hours mm. and time and your creative skill and energy. Why on earth would you do that? You haven't got the job. Yeah, that's it. So that's a perfect segue, Caleb, into the next page, which the title is Creative. And I give three keywords of the key style directives. And for this one, it's inviting, soothing, happy. So generic, <laughs> but it just helps get everyone on the same page. Maybe it might say pop art or a particular style that they have in mind. I use this page to talk a bit more about who the target audience is. And I keep it super brief. It's a one sentence line of this is who's going to be looking at it. We need to think about these things when we're developing the creative. Okay, there's a key part here. The pushback from a lot of creatives and especially if you're starting out in pitching things and it happens a lot is you think if I'm not pitching the creative concept, then what are they buying? Mm, yeah. And that's so tricky, isn't it? Because you want to show how creative you are and how they're going to get something great. But they pay me to think about these things. Yeah. They pay me to come up with the solution. Yeah. So before they commit, the job is to solve a problem. Yes. But they have to pay for that. That's right. And that's the key difference. You, you might think they're buying your amazing artwork when that's not really what they're buying. They are buying your ability to impact a space. They're buying your ability to connect a particular artwork with a feeling. And all you need to do at this stage is convince them that you can do that. And so when you're putting in your creative key style directives and all of this process in here, what you're doing is saying, I know what you need. I know what you need and this is the process of how I'm going to do it. And that gives them confidence and excitement that they want to see what you do because they're reading this and going, yes, that's exactly what we want. Yeah, this Prezo doesn't have one that we're looking at, but I have done a lot where there's a timeline page and it's super visual and it just steps out. Here are the key steps in the process. And I think that's the bit that convinces them like, oh, they have a process. They've done this uh -huh. before and I can visualise what their process is in at this stage before I commit. Yeah, that's a big one. I often talk to clients because we do a lot of work, this work for clients in helping their customers overcome their sense of risk when it comes to dealing with a business. So your clients and every other client for any business has a perceived level of risk in dealing with you are you going to be able to do what I hope you can do? And so a process, if they can see that you've got a process, then that really reduces that sense of risk that they have. Yeah, that's right. And then there's also, so moving on to some other slides I would include, is anything really particular about the project like site access or any other logistical kind of challenge there might be? What kind of equipment are we bringing on site? Is there a particular material we have to use? Is there anything that they should just know and be aware of that they might not have thought about? They're not the professionals, so it's up yep. to us to say, hey, and also there's these things we should consider. Yep. So you're just flagging things that you know will need to be agreed upon or communicated in the future and just making sure that they're right up the front so everyone's on the same page. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then we move on to the fun part, which is quoting. Woo! Yep, show me the money. So how have you broken this down? 
I use QuickBooks. We've spoken about finance systems before. Yep. If you're doing some ad hoc finance system, just sign up to one. Yeah. They're the best thing you'll ever do. <laughs> yep. But I've got a bunch of different categories in there. So I create a proper quote through QuickBooks. I download the PDF and I drop it in. I actually crop it so it fits in visually with the rest of my presentation. Great. And if they require an official quote to then do a purchase order or something like that, I've literally got the PDF and I'll flick it through and it's exactly as it is in the Prezo. That's great. One thing that I might add is if they just want a ballpark, sometimes they're like, oh, we don't know enough about it to do a quote yet. So I'm like, okay, I can do a lot of this background work and I can give you a range. Yeah. And then I won't take that into my project, into my finance system. I'll literally just write it in text, estimate, always the word estimate. Yeah. And because it's not a quote, it's an estimate. And then I'll give them a ballpark and maybe some kind of indication of if it's this big, it could be on the lower scale. If it's this big, it could be on this scale. Or maybe it might say, depending on the quality of the artist we get, or if they have to travel, here's your price range. Yeah, that's really good. Some really tricky points that I've gotten into in in the past with clients is when they go, look, I'm just after a bit of a ballpark. I'm not going to hold you to it, but could you give me a number? And then when you give them the number later on, they go, so it's that much. (laughs) They said, oh, I'm not going to hold you to it, but I'm going to hold you to it. (laughs) So this, a couple of the things that you said in there really help with that. When someone says, hey, I just need a bit of a rough ballpark, don't give them a specific figure. Give them a range Mm. because that, that communicates that there is a lot of variables in there that could change what the price is. Yep. And so if you give someone a specific number, as much as they say they're not going to hold you to it, they'll probably hold you to it. Yeah, and that's a great way to actually get a number out of something. What's your budget? I don't know. The range of our works could be between twenty and 50000 and they go, oh, yeah, we've got 30000 Yeah, And you're exactly like, oh, perfect. Right. So now, you did have a number. <laughs> now I can generate a really detailed project proposal based on that number. Yes. Thank you for helping us speed this whole thing up. Yes, that is the perfect. <laughs> Perfect question because as much as someone says they don't have a number, if you say it's going to be between 20 and 50, the follow-up question, because they might come back with, oh, yeah, 20 might be good. It's just because it's the lowest number. The best follow-up question is which end of that scale would you feel comfortable at? Yeah, I really like that language too. I often say, what's your comfortable number? Where could you easily get approval for with your manager or yeah. what kind of budget is set? They've probably got a budget at, like all businesses have budgets that they're reviewing to make these kind of purchases. Yeah. And they may not have a specific budget for this project, but they'll have a budget for that has to include a bunch of other things, right? So an overall budget, they might have a budget of a hundred thousand, but that has to include everything they do over six months or a year. Yeah. So if you say it's going to be 50, they go, oh, man, that's half of what I've got for the whole year. Maybe I probably would be comfortable around 30, 30 or 25, 30. Mm. So that gives you the perfect target of how much resource you can play with. Because at the Mm. end of the day, no one's swindling anyone and just doing an $1,000 job for whatever as the highest number you could 
pluck out. <laughs> yeah, but also good results cost money, right? That's a completely different conversation. That's yeah. right. When we're going the pricing value versus mm. pricing time. Uh, time, I'm all for pricing value, but you have to know what the value is for the client. Mm. You have to know what that return, whether it's actual monetary return, which it very rarely is, or whether it's some sort of other return, you've got to know how valuable it is to the client to be able to use value-based pricing. Yeah, that's exactly right. What's next? That's the end of my my prezzo. I thank them. I encourage them to get in touch with me. I have my contact information there so they can call me or email me straight away with any questions. It's open for discussion. Did we get this right? Are you happy to proceed? What's the next steps? And then I sometimes I'll include a bunch of portfolio pages just to show the kind of work that we've done before. Nice. And that's pretty much it, mate. Mine is very visual. It's the most limited amount of words possible. I'm trying to distill something that's the wieldy creative beast into something that's just, oh, wow, they made that look really simple. Like they understand it and it's not overcomplicating it. Um, Yeah, that's great. I love that. Making complex things simple is, I think it's a superpower of creatives we can look at something that's really detailed and boil it down to its essence and its vibe and its emotion and communicate that and that comes across really clear and simple and a lot of people don't have that language that we do to be able to describe things. Mm. So you've made this kind of brief for the client. What are you doing with this? Like you've made it, you've had that meeting with the client and you've made this back brief. What do you do next? Yeah, ideally, you probably catch up with them or you send it through and you talk them through it on the phone and you just help it make sense. We'll talk more about the digital ways we can do that in your presentation, Caleb, but which I've also used those techniques before of Mm. doing the recording Mm. um, and sending that through. That's a brilliant way to do it. I will also just sometimes, if I'm being a bit lazy, I'll just flick it through. Yeah. Just email it through, hey, and then follow up with a call at some point. Yeah. Did you get it? What are your thoughts? Do we need to adjust anything? What's our next steps? Yep. The key there, I think, is just being proactive and, yeah, not leaving crickets after just sending it. Yeah, because it might be really important to you. This project could be the next big thing for you, but for them... It might just be another project in a long list of projects. Yeah. All needing quite a lot of attention and detail and time. Yep. yep. That's exactly right. Wow. Thanks for running us through that, Reese. I'm very impressed. And what would you say the strike rate on success? Like what is the impact of using a back brief like that on how much work you get and the quality of that work? Like you say, with the quality, I think is the biggest improvement or it sets a really great foundation for what is the scope of this project. And the beauty of having created that is I'll then edit it. I'll, I'll take that, duplicate it, edit it, how it needs to be edited, and then it basically becomes an artist brief. Amazing. So I can use all of that information once they approve it. There's no point in rewriting everything to say it to the artist who I'm going to work with. I just recycle it. And yeah. so everyone's on the same page Great. and we've got that single source of truth. I love how simple and efficient that is. You're not dumping a whole heap of time into something that really doesn't need a mm. whole heap of time. That's Yeah. Cool. In future, I might just drop it into chat GPT and say, hey, turn this into an artist brief. <laughs> yes. I haven't played around with that yet, but no. I'm really keen to hear about 
your presentation, Caleb, and you, mm. I've actually been through your process before as a client. You have, you have. Uh, a couple of years ago now, but we produced some ad campaign content for you. Yeah, that's right. And I was quite impressed with your process back then, but I reckon you've maybe tweaked it since then. So let's yeah. jump into it. All right. As you'll see on the Instagram carousel, we have a real example of a proposal, the same as Reese's as a real example. And how do you make this one? This is actually made in Proposify. So if you go pro- to Proposify.com. Not a uh, sponsor. Not a, Yeah, not sponsoring this. I'll say that it's worked really well for us in terms of speeding up our proposal process because it's f- fairly easy to edit and fill in information. It's, make, a, it's a web-based yeah platform, proposal platform, and it's integrated fairly well it can sometimes be a real pain in the backside. But on the plus side, their customer support is phenomenal. So that's enough about Proposify. But that's how we make all of our proposals. So this one, we start from a template and then we add in the information that is pertinent to the project, same as you. So this heading here on the second page says, does this sound familiar? And the top heading there says the foundation for success. So we start with the outcome in mind. What I say to clients is that this few paragraphs on the first page describes where we think you're at and what we think you need or want so that we are starting the conversation with the outcome that we're trying to achieve. Yeah, and it's not really, from my understanding of having a a quick look at this, it's not so much talking about your video skills and what you're going to do video-wise, but it's talking about where's your business at? What are you trying to achieve with sales or audience or reach or what are the things you're just trying to achieve in general? Yep. And then starting to twist that into... What you're going to do? What we're going to do, yeah. So the purpose of this is to make the client feel like we understand them and Mm -hmm. we know them. So it's not talking about us at all. This is all about where the company's at and what their objectives are. Are they trying to grow? Are they trying to solve a specific problem? We talk about that problem and the value of solving that problem in here. And then at the bottom, to summarise, we've got their business objectives. I usually just summarise that into one or two lines. Yeah, I love how this business objectives at the bottom is the same amount of information that I put on my whole slide for this <laughs> part of the project. And you've gone into a lot more detail and spent the time showing that you understand them. But it, I think with your work being video, there's a lot of communication that has to come through video. So you're investing that time in understanding it. So this kind of information will help flow yep. through the rest of the project. Yeah, there is a lot of words and a lot of, as you say, communication that we need to make sure that we're on the same page right from the get-go. So this is probably one of the most powerful parts of the proposal, I'd say, is when clients read this, they go, yeah, that is me. That is that is actually my pr- internal problem and that is how I feel about it. It's terrible to have this problem. Yes, I would like it solved. How are you going to do it? Oh, the next page is? The solution. <laughs> so we've agitated that problem at the start and described it really well and with the next page is the solution to mm. the problem, which, no kidding, 
It's videos. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? So we describe a big kind of picture overview, what type of videos we're going to make. And there's a really clear distinction here between getting into the weeds of exactly what the video is going to look like from a step-by-step what is in it to what type of video it is. We can easily, it doesn't take me very long to say what you need is a video sales tool. That doesn't say what the video looks like. It just says what it is, what type of video it is. And to just to be clear, you're just saying at this stage of the project scoping, mm-hmm. you're saying what type of video, yeah. you're not going into the details That's of the right. creative outcome. Yeah, not the really fine details of what that specifically looks like. We have a couple of key boundaries or key scoping mechanisms that help us put some solid boundaries around what the video could look like so that we know what to quote for it, but we're not going into too much detail. That comes next after we've got the job. And are some of these solutions sort of things that you've mentioned on this page, are they templated and then you just tweak to suit the client? You must have a a sort of fairly set range of products that you like to deliver. Yeah, definitely. One thing that we do, and we might talk about it in future if it sounds of value to anyone listening, but we have a video strategy service that we and product that we have developed and we run for lots of different clients and that just outlines a whole long list of content types and different types of videos so from that we uh, have gotten pretty good at seeing a, a business's problem and seeing who they're trying to communicate to and what problem they're trying to solve and we know the list of videos that work well at solving that problem so mm. we just pick a couple of those or the best options that we think are going to solve their problem. And we're not making new types of videos up like there. It's all, it's all yeah. pretty straightforward. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel every no, time? No, no, That's right. Use what's proven. Yes, we know what kind of works. We include the types of videos. And again, we summarize at the bottom, the proposed package includes, in this case, three to five, seven to 10 minute videos, one 30, 30 minute video. That's a compilation of all those. And we always bring it back to the solution and the outcome. So at the bottom, it says the videos will be created to capture and convert leads into sales and give accurate engagement data to the marketing team. That is what they want. Next, we move on to the plan. So we've got the solution, but how are we going to achieve it? This is the process bit that that you had. It's just reinforcing that we have a process. We're not making this up on the fly. We're not doing it differently for you than we've done it for everyone else. We do the same thing every single time. So at the top, I don't change this bit at the top ever. It just says there's so many intricate tasks involved in producing videos that are going to achieve specific goals. But don't worry, you can leave that up to us. Perfect. Don't mess with our shit. (laughs) That's right. We've developed the systems and processes. And so that's what we're going to run you through. And this achieves the outcome that we want every single time. And I like that that is setting you up to be the leading professional in this industry. It's we value your input and we understand you. Leave our specialty to us. You're going to be blown away. We've done this before and it it might stop them coming in and trying to micromanage all of your things. Yeah, they never try because they know that we've got a process and they're just getting led through it. We're very collaborative and we let them be the experts in their business and we pull out the information we need, but they never question the video process because look, it's four steps. 
concept development, pre-production and delivery. I need to um, take a few tips from this one, mate, on my um, timeline and process. Mm. Yeah, this is, this is um, a template as well. All I change here is the date for the project start, um, how many days filming, um, that's the only detail I go into for breaking down line items and things like that. You'll see down further that I've broken this one into pre-production costs and all that sort of stuff. I don't generally do that. I literally just put the deliverable, like the video, and how much it is. Yep. That's as much as I break it down. And at what point would you break it down? So, Because I'm imagining if I was to work with you on producing a video, I'd yep. be saying, all right, do we have a voiceover? How many actors do we have? Do we need catering, makeup, hair? Are we paying to be at a certain location? Are we traveling to that location? There's a lot of Ooh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of things. They trust you'll take care of that. They do, but it's very important to include those things because that's the scoping of the project. So what's included, what's not, that's tackled on the second last page. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. jumping ahead. I'll let you I'll let you run through your process, mate. Don't let me interrupt, okay? <laughs> One thing to note here is the delivery deadline very rarely is the actual deadline that we achieve. <laughs> Classic <laughs> creatives, right? <yeah. laughs> no, it's possible. We, it is always possible. And we've written it in there. Down the bottom, please note, the expected delivery date is reflective of two business day revision cycles. We're pretty much saying if we can only hit this delivery deadline if you don't take forever to get back to us on things. And if you do, then we won't hit the deadline because we're not going to pick up the slack for you taking a long time to get back to us on revisions. I always put relevant examples in there of similar videos that we've made. This one is definitely not one we've made. It's a, a video of a different brand that is similar to what we were trying to make. So I sometimes, if we haven't done something very specific that fits perfectly, I want to give an example. It's an expectation setter. So this is an opportunity to show them something where they go, oh yeah, it'll be similar to that in these ways. I put two in there. That's one that we did do. And you, so these videos are embedded into this presentation. They certainly are. So if, whether I need to download it as a PDF or send it as a link, they will be able to click on these videos and it, it'll play them within the online uh, version or it'll send them to YouTube or wherever it's hosted in the PDF. Yeah, cool. That's what, one of the big reasons we moved away from InDesign was because it's so easy in Proposify to embed videos. Yeah, definitely. It's great. And then a couple of quotes from past clients. These, All of these elements that I'm putting in here are to build trust and confidence in our ability to achieve their outcome. Next page is your investment. Uh, I make sure that I don't use language like cost or expense or anything like that. The little paragraph at the top here says, a lot of people see video production as a necessary cost but we believe it's a crucial investment. So I'm framing the money they have to spend as an investment, not an expense. Yeah, for all creatives out there, you've got to stand behind what you're selling yeah. and understand your value and then communicate it. Yeah, yeah. if you see your product or service as a would be nice to th have thing that people don't really need and it's, it's not that great, then that's going to come through to the client in how you communicate, especially around money. And if you get to the cost part and you go, you, you're trying to explain why it costs so much, all they're going to hear is you don't believe it's worth that. Yeah, exactly. And you're thinking about your audience 
they're business people. They have a business and they have objectives and you're not just asking them to spend money on a thing. You're no. asking them to invest no, in yeah, a yeah. service that will have XYZ outcomes for their business. So you're not just yeah. saying, we're going to make it look beautiful and people are going to love it and you're gonna, we're going to nominate it for an award because yeah. we're really creative. <laughs> you're like, this will result in outcomes. It's yes. an investment for your business. Yep. It is exchange of money for goods. You're not a charity. They're not, you're not saying, oh, please give me money because I need money. You're saying, I'm going to do this for you because you want it and it's really valuable and this is how much it costs for me to do that. Yeah. This is quite an intense breakdown. I'd never usually do this level, but for this project, there's a lot of complexity to it. You'll see that I pitched the Hebron Films crew going over to Montreal to film on location and you'll see it's the cost differences. Uh, astronomical. <laughs> they didn't go for it. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, but that would have been so good. Wouldn't it have been great? Yeah. Uh, I'll get over there one day. I love these so guys. You pay for the flights. We'll just come over and do the rest for free. Like <laughs> it's work holiday setup. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, we've got a Canadian crew filming over there in, in the next month or so and post-production and all that sort of stuff. There's a little scribble signature that's probably blocked out on the Instagram bit there underneath the prices, but I just need to make sure and confirm that they know what the price is. Yeah, if you notice that there's some like de-identified bits of information on this, yes. it's not because we're being secretive and like wanting to not share. We, we're hoping that we're sharing a lot of really great information, but we need to be careful. We're using real-life examples here and we yeah. don't want to compromise our client relationship. So we're going to... We're going to do that. We're definitely doing that. Yeah. The next page is payment options. I like giving options. Again, these are standard. I always get money before starting work. So whether that's in the standard 50-50 arrangement, 50% prior to starting work and 50% before delivering the work, or whether it's um, in a monthly payment. Uh, usually the standard monthly payment option is a six month payment plan. And that I actually add 10% to the total price for that option because it's not gonna take me six months to do it. So I'm gonna have to carry the cost of the project mm. early. So that's why I charge an extra 10% and I generally don't get any pushback on that. It makes sense. Yeah, most, when you're paying monthly, it costs more than if you pay for a year, you That's know, right. like the whole package at Every one Every single time yep. for anything. And this is what you were referencing earlier. The issues with not defining a, the video specifically and laying out exactly what it looks like in this document is that there's a lot of details that you're assuming you'll probably need, like what the project looks like and what resources are included in it. So this is why I've got an assumptions page. I have made some assumptions on this project to get to a dollar figure. Yeah, because let's pretend for a second that there's no assumptions page and we both, I'm the client and you're doing this process and yeah. my assumption is when I read this without looking at the assumptions page is beautiful. He's going he's gonna to hire a whole acting crew, <laughs> probably three or four professional actors for three whole days to deliver this project. Yeah. Is that, a, that an accurate assumption, Caleb? <laughs> that is a completely false assumption. Ah, okay. <laughs> and that's what the assumptions page is for, to exactly get clear right. on yeah. as the producer of this content, 
these this is what it's going to look like yeah. or the bits and pieces that we're working with yeah what are the resources that we have to play with there there's a lot of um, movement and variation in the, what it creatively looks like but we need to put them in there because that gives us the boundaries for the scope to say what's in scope and what's out of scope. We're not going to cover absolutely every single possible detail in here because that would be a waste of time, but we do give the big ones. So common ones that I think all of the ones you brought up are in here. So what are the filming locations of the video? I've put one, a studio location, and depending on what they've chosen, either Montreal or Australia, one live demo location, and that's going to be in Bendigo. We've got how many people are featured in the video, how many rounds of revisions, what type of revisions. I've got the fact that there's no talent or casting fees in here. So that communicates to them that they're going to have to find the people or they're going to have to pay us extra to do it. I can imagine that this assumptions page grows with every project (laughs) you do and you're like, damn it, I assume this and they assume that. And now I need to add it to my assumptions page. (laughs) Yeah, most of that happened a few years ago. So that's how we got to here. I don't think I've ever run into a situation in the last couple of years where I'd missed an assumption. Because what I'm doing is I'm actually in the background when I'm working out the price, I have got a quote calculator. So it's a Google sheet that has all of the possible things I could include in a project. And I just go through and I go, yep, I'll need one of them. I'll need this many hours for scripting. I'll need this many whatevers. And so what I'm doing is I'm giving time to the producer and time that I think is reasonable for them to be able to come up with the creative concept and how long it's going to take them to shoot it, all that kind of thing. So I'm just giving them boundaries and amount of time to work with. Um, So I need to put the big things that I've assumed in here. If there's like a drone operator, I've included that. I go, oh, yeah, this project needs a drone operator. Then I'm going to include a day's worth of a drone operator or whatever in the quote sheet. But I'm going to put it in the assumptions page that they've only got a day. Yeah, exactly. So you're just putting parameters on. And I'm wondering if you're starting out doing these more detailed presentations. Mm. I'm sure you can probably just Google certain industries and what to include on an assumptions page on a project really what i'd be looking at you'll know most of the things but i think about what the type of video is and what clients might assume that is in there and you've got to be clear right we're the video experts and you're the mural expert you can't expect them to know all of the details that are involved in and all of the resources that are required. So you've got to think about where are the potential rub points or misalignments of expectations when it comes to this example, prepping of surfaces. If someone's never done a mural before, they might not really understand that there's got to be preparation before you put the paint on right yeah that's exactly right and it also opens up opportunities if they're like oh our budget isn't that big but we could bring our works team in to pressure wash the wall and that'll save me doing it because how fun's pressure washing walls oh so much fun yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can also use this assumptions page to almost delegate some roles to back to the client definitely that's exactly right so you say this is what we're doing and this is what we expect that you will do mm-hmm. or this is what we need done that we're not going to do yeah exactly that's great I really important here that I've linked the terms of service and now that goes to a unlisted page on our website that is just hebronfilms.com forward slash terms of service and 
that's got all the if, buts, and maybes. It's like a formal agreement in there. Like what happens if you don't get back to us within two weeks? What happens if the project stalls? What happens if the project's cancelled? What happens if you cancel a shoot? All those type of things that is in that link. And you'll see that on the very last page, it says down the bottom here, by signing this proposal, you've, you confirm that you've read and agreed to our terms of service. How many people read terms of service documents? from my personal experience of never reading any of them not many probably also how many creatives out there do you think actually have terms of service very few 50 percent. i don't know depends on who's listening but as you get turned into a bigger business you definitely need them yeah you do because if we do maybe 80 to 100 projects a year that's a lot (laughs) yeah i do all my business in good faith so I don't need one, Caleb. <laughs> okay. I only work with other businesses who work in good faith and have good ethics. Oh, great. Okay. No, I should really... Well, good luck with that. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> no, but I, it is something that you should have and it is something that I yeah. should have. Yeah. So good on you, Caleb. Oh, look, it depends how much risk for problems you've got an appetite for because you'll always run into problems. I love risk. <laughs> I love risk. Give me all of the risk. Yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So let's, the next steps, the page, what are you, oh, look, the this call is crucial. to action. Crucial. If, if you just pitch it, you know, what you're going to do for a client and then just leave it there, they go, oh yeah, I love it, but what do I do now? So in order to help them make a decision, you need to just walk them through exactly what they need to do to get this thing going. Remove all ambiguity and all questions from their mind, right? You need to lead in this way and make sure that you're just telling them what they need to do. If you tell them what they need to do, they're much more likely to do it rather than going, oh, this is great, but what do I do next? Oh, it's too hard. I'll tackle, I'll think about that later. Mm. If you tell them what they need to do, they don't have to think about it. So what I've said here, keep it to three steps. All they need to do to get this proposal, accept the proposal and get the ball rolling on the project is to sign the proposal using the button below, then pay the deposit and book the kickoff call. And that means we are booked in and this project is happening. Yeah. But also the opportunity that they've got here is to potentially come back to you and say, hey, love everything in here, but this page, can you tweak... Can you just tweak this a little bit? Yep. On the assumptions page, I was actually hoping we'd have three actors for two days. Can yep. you just update your pricing to reflect that? Yes. And perfect. You're on the same page. That's exactly right. Mate, that was meant to be a really short episode and we've just gone on and on because, <laughs> I don't know, it's quite interesting looking at our different proposal styles Yeah. and there's a lot to talk about and yes. I hope that everyone listening is already using proposals for one and if they're not they're going to start yeah and if they are they've just got some great advice on how to tweak and adjust and make it better i'd love to hear if you are using proposals for your process and your creative service or product i want to hear if there's anything that we missed or if there's any way that you could see that we could make our proposals better yeah what do you put into your proposals 
that just make, take it to the next level? What have you mm. found super helpful, especially if we missed out on talking about that? Drop it in the comments on the tile for this episode. Love it. Next episode, as I said earlier, we are going to be talking about presenting. So we're, we've done this proposal and what do we do next? So we're going to be talking about presenting in the room, how you manage that, how you do that really well, and then other options if you can't get in a room with a client. Yeah, that's right. If you are on the ball and you're listening to this on a Monday, then you will have to wait another week until you hear us talk about all of these amazing presentation techniques and thingamajiggies. Yeah, Andre will be listening. Hey, Andre. All right, bye. You've been listening to Country Creatives Podcast, hosted by Reese Hendy and Caleb Maxwell. It's produced by Amy Chapman with support from the Emporium Creative Hub in Mitchell Street, Bendigo. If you'd like to listen to any of our past episodes, you can visit us at emporiumcreativehub.com.au slash podcast. You can also contact the team there or find us on Instagram at country underscore creatives. We have an episode for you every two weeks, so if you'd like to be the first in the know, please subscribe to Country Creatives wherever you listen to your podcasts.